0: Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron. And Byron, it's been a it's been a couple weeks since we've been been back uh, recording the show. But before we get into the show and everything, let the listeners know, especially the first time listeners, what they're going to be getting when
1: they hear Politically Entertaining. Everybody know that this intro is probably going to be a little bit longer than normal. But basically, on Politically Entertaining, man, we just try to cover news and politics. Uh, We try to bring it to you on a weekly basis for we mainly for those that don't follow the news every day. But as we always say, we love for people that, you know, do follow the news, you know, to check us out. Hopefully we bring it to you in a different type of way. We uh, we have Leola Cheney, who's running for councilwoman in District three of Mobile, Alabama. She'll be on the show in a little while. Uh, We'll discuss health care. And, you know, Mike Vick made some news this week as well. But before we get into all that, Frank, What's going on with your peoples, man? All the, the the black celebrities. This was a hell of a week for them, from R. Kelly and his cult to Usher. Uh, I know we're a kid-friendly show, so I don't even know if I should say. Let's just say he's been passing out STDs. Uh, your man O.J. is free. And Kevin Hart allegedly—I don't know for sure because I didn't read up on anything when it comes to Kevin Hart—but I heard that he was caught cheating. So I don't know to what extent. But our black celebrities were in the news, man. You know something on that on Kevin Hart? Turn up,
0: turn up, <laughs> turn up.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I—you
0: I, know—I heard the same thing you heard. I generally try not to follow the gossip, but I mean, let's just be real. I mean, Kevin Hart is a very popular comedian, and there's probably a lot of women out there that would certainly. Um, you know, step step out with him if he was willing to do that. So, you know, he I know he, he he was he recently was married. I know he had a baby mama previously, and he got married. I'm not sure if he was if it's I think it's, it's his first marriage. I'm not sure actually, but I know he recently got married. He had a baby mama, so I mean, he might have a little bit of drama with him. He might have a little man complex. I don't know. It's hard to say. uh As for Orenthal, because uh, he's not, I'm not even gonna call him. Uh, OJ Orenthal, I mean, you know, just stay out of prison, buddy. I mean, you spent nine years in prison for something that you probably should have been spending life in for something you got off for, but I, you know, I'm, and I, and I'm not a, and I, I don't disagree with OJ getting off. Like, one of the things very interesting is people are still bringing up, well, OJ, you know, he went to jail. He should have gone to jail for murder. No, Mark Furman tampered with the evidence. And so I think what people don't understand is when you have a lead prosecutor, when you have the, the, the chief, chief of police basically trying to tamper with the evidence that throws out the case from regards to what you think and because of double jeopardy you can't try the person again so i just think you know orenthal will i hope he hope will be phasing the black nicely i know he's got some money stashed away somewhere and you know the best to him hope he doesn't end, end up back on the front page anywhere
1: um yeah so you covered oj or orenthal as you put it the guy I wanted to discuss is R. Kelly, man. And before I get into what I have to say about him, my question for you you is, do you still do you listen to him? If you do, will you stop because of the latest allegations or do you separate the art from the artist? Where are you when it comes to R. Kelly? Man, that's, that is an amazing question. And
0: I'd say about three years ago, I read an article about R. Kelly. And at that moment, I said, you know what? I don't care if it's a song i like you know there's some songs i like i actually really like the gotham city for the ghetto remix but i won't listen to that because and i know people can say that's hypocritical because there's other people that you might not listen to and i and i don't even disagree with that it's just that for me the things that he's done to young black women are despicable um he's 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 a predator and he shouldn't be celebrated for that and and i and I'm not saying there's not pedophiles in Hollywood. And if I, if you point them out to me, and I, I maybe I won't watch the movies either. But what I'm saying is, he's a known uh, offender. Um, he's made many videos, and he's done a lot of things to a lot of people. I mean, this guy started off. He was married to Alia. was 15 years old. I think people for, I mean, people don't even. I mean, what has R. Kelly ever done something right by a woman? Uh, you know, yeah. and, and I'm just, I'm just saying, he's, it, he doesn't have a good record. And so. This latest thing, him, you know, with these women, that he's basically, I, I guess, keeping them or they're kept and he's grooming them, you know, to basically be, I wouldn't call it, I don't know, is his harem. Is that a good term? I, you know, I don't even know what to say about it. It's its just one of those kind of things where he is a person who is very lost and he needs a lot of prayer. And, and that's all I can say about it.
1: I, you know, when it comes to him, man, I have learned over the years to not be as judgmental because when I first, you know, you know, when the tape first came out with him doing what he did, I was like, you know, I was holier than thou with it. I was like, you know, I don't mess with him, this, that, another. I will listen to his music. I refuse to spend any money on him, but I've learned to not be as judgmental to those that still, you know, will go to his show or anything like that because, you know, when you look at the James Browns of the world, or the Bill Withers, even Marvin Gaye. Uh, I love boxing and I watch Floyd Mayweather fights and we know his track record when it comes to women. So I can't necessarily judge those that support R. R. Kelly while I'm watching a convicted woman beater, uh, you know, fight on TV. So I definitely have learned not to be as judgmental. And I've just learned over time that, you know, when it comes to any form of entertainment, you're going to make some type of moral compromise because entertainers do a whole lot of bad things and you do have to learn to separate the the art from the artwork and just make up your mind on where you draw the line. You said you've drawn the line when it comes to listening to his music. Others may feel the opposite, but there are some, there are some actors, actresses, singers, rappers that you may have uh, drawn the line on. So I I try not to judge that. But what I do want to say is, you know, People that are defending him are saying that, you know, these women are legal with these latest allegation. They're they're of age. They're legal. They're not being held against their uh, will. And then look at Hugh Hefner with, with all the young women that he's been with. And, you know, what kind of low standard is that, like that they're legal? You saw the interview with one of the girls and, you know, she comes out and says, you know, I'm not being held against my will. And then you ask her further questions like, where are you? And she's like, I can't speak on that. Are you told when you can eat? Oh, I can't speak on that either. So something obviously is going wrong. And, you know, your standards shouldn't be the letter of the law. We've seen plenty of things like do you let George Zimmerman off the hook? Because according to the letter of the law, he's not guilty for what he did to Trayvon Martin. So you kind of have to have your own moral standards and not necessarily let the law dictate how you feel about somebody. The fact of the matter is he's mistreating women. You shouldn't be cool with that. You shouldn't defend that. So like I said, I'll watch a Floyd Mayweather fight, but you'll never hear me defend what he did. And that's the issue I have. I don't have a problem with you saying you'll go to an R. Kelly show or you'll listen to his music. But don't defend that mess. He's been with underage girls. Like you said, he married Aaliyah when she was 15. You don't have to defend it because you really look like an idiot when it comes to that. So just wanted to get that off my chest, man. Let's get into the show. Listening to Politically Entertaining Your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now, your host, Welcome, everybody. Frank, Beth, Frank and and I took Byron. a two week hiatus, uh, we want to thank you for tuning in. We ask that you subscribe. We're everywhere. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher Radio, Podbean. Also, we're on the Google Play Store on the podcast. Check out Politically Entertaining. Subscribe, tell a friend. Great price of, the, of free. And as I mentioned earlier, we got Leola Cheney coming on in a few minutes. Before we get to her real quick, the Republicans tried once again to uh, pass health care in the Senate and it failed. Frank, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Every year, Republicans have said, elect us and we will repeal and replace. They've been saying it since Mitt Romney ran for president. Day one, I'm going to repeal and replace. House Republicans, Senate Republicans, if you elect us, we will repeal and replace Obamacare. They've been saying that for seven long years. The House passed a health care bill a few months ago. They celebrated it. And then Trump turned around and called it mean. The Senate didn't like the bill. So they said, hey, we're going to write our own health care bill. They tried and have now failed twice. They are currently working on a third attempt to try to pass health care. My question to you, man, does this prove that They were all talk because, you know, as an if if an employee promises his boss or his his company that he's going to do something, he's going to have a a particular project done for seven years. I don't even know a company that would give someone seven years to complete a project, but he promises them every year. I'm going to have it ready. I'm going to have it ready. Eventually, they would be fired when they does this prove that they were all talk. I think
0: it does. I think it, here's what I think it proves. I think it proves that they were more upset with the fact that Barack Obama and the Democrats at the time passed um, the Affordable Care Act, which is more eloquently known as Obamacare, and they just were stewing in there because they they had wanted to pass, you know, health care for years before. You know, health care reform is not anything new, as we've talked about on this show. There's been many candidates who tried to, you know, reform health care, and Barack Obama got it through and what is obamacare or the affordable care act perfect no of course not nothing is but it it does work and it did insure a lot more people who were not insured and it gave protection to people who have pre-existing conditions and so you know by and large part the affordable care act is is a success now there are some issues with some exchanges and some taxes and things like that on the back end that need to be addressed but the 26 year old kids that can stay on their parents insurance the you know, breast pumps for, for mothers to be the, the, some of the other wellness exams that, that are covered now or for, you know, part of standard coverage. Those are things that are well received by, that's not partisan. And so they're, the, the Republicans biggest problem is they're trying to take, make, take this partisan approach and, and they can't deliver a bill that's different enough. Because to be honest, the Affordable Care Act is for all the American people and all Republicans come up with is a partisan piece of legislation that tries to repeal it. But nobody wants it because the CBO scores basically have 30 between 20 and 30 million people losing their health care if that gets passed. So, you know, I just think that they were so focused on getting rid of it. They had really, really didn't understand how good it was. They thought they could. They thought just because they thought people hated the name. But they didn't realize that once they actually had it in their lives and had the coverage that they weren't going to give it up that easy. And that goes across both sides, Democrat and Republican. So I think they're going to have a hard time coming with anything that looks so different from the Affordable Care Act and getting it passed. They
1: were, they're were they more focused on getting, some, getting rid of something that has Obama's name on it. And that's that's what it comes down to. And the misinformation that a lot of you are hearing out there is that, hey, They're just doing exactly what the Democrats did in 2009 by passing it without any Republican votes. Republicans are just trying to pass it without any Democrat votes. The difference is Obama invited Republicans to the White House several times for their input. That hasn't been done. Uh, They had committee hearings. They had committee hearings. They had debates about it. There have been no committee hearings on this current uh, Republican health care bill. They're just trying to ram it through. And so far as failed. so we'll see what happens. But don't be fooled when you hear people say that, "Hey, this is exactly what the Democrats did. It's not it's it's similar, but there are some major differences. We actually had debate when the Democrats uh passed theirs from national politics to local politics. uh one of the things I remember about our final episode last season was us saying that we were gonna focus more on local politics. Uh, that's something that we're going to really focus on in the next few weeks, hopefully. Uh, and we started off with Leola Cheney, who's running for uh, councilwoman in District 3 of Mobile, Alabama. Let's check her out.
2: Listen up. It's time for a politically
1: entertaining exclusive interview. She is a United States Air Force veteran. Mother of two, and she is now running to represent the third district in Mobile, Alabama. Leola Cheney. Want to thank you for coming on the show. What's going on, ma'am? Hi.
2: Thank you guys for having me.
1: Oh man, we really appreciate you coming on. We uh, Frank and I wanted to cover local politics in Mobile, and so you are our first uh, candidate. And the first question I wanted to get into is. Why in the world would you jump into politics? What made you decide to run? And why should the people of District 3 trust you with their vote?
2: You're just going to jump right on into it, huh? Well, um...
1: Just right into it.
2: When I first, right into it. Okay. Okay. I'm good with that. Um, so when I, when I came home from being in Air Force after 15 years, I was naive enough to think that I was coming back to something that was completely different. Um, when I left Orange Grove in 2000, running, cause, you know, at the time, my, my circumstances, you know, were not on a level to where I wanted, wanted to stay in Mobile. So I left running. Um, but when I got back, um, I was, I was a little disheartened because things to me had not progressed in a level in which I thought that they should have. It's something totally different when you travel the world for about 15 years and then you come home and you realize there are certain parts of your city that has remained the same. Um, so we started working in District 3 trying to help people, trying to motivate, trying to, you know, give hope to let people know, you know, there is something beyond your current circumstance. Um, I had reached out to downtown a, a several times, but when the return wasn't what I thought it should be, instead of complaining about it, I decided to do something about it. And in that, I decided to run for, for city council.
1: So you took matters in your own hand, and. So your first time this will be your first uh, political office. So for someone that's in District three, what do you say? What do you say to them uh, when they ask, you know, why should we you know, vote for you, this newcomer?
2: Uh, yes, it is my first time in politics. Um, so I am I am not a politician. I, I have I have realized that. But when they ask me the question of why I should why they should vote for me, um, I I try to give them a broad answer of all of my experiences, you know, everything I've dealt with in the last 15 years, and the simple fact that I am a mother who has children, and my children reside, live, and play in District 3, and so when you are going against a mom who has kids that's trying to better the district, like, there's not too much you're going to do to stop her from getting it done.
1: I like that. So I um, I've been away from Mobile now for 14 years, but uh, I actually spent my high school years and young adult years in your district. My mother still lives in your district. So what do you feel is lacking in the community that you feel you can accomplish for it? Um, I think
2: what's lacking right now is as a city council person, I feel like you should be able to um. You should be able to relate to the people. So there has to be a relationship. There has to be a connection. Like, I need to be able to understand what the next person is going through. So when they call with a problem, with a question or something, that sense of urgency is there. I feel that that's lacking, the sense of urgency. Um, It's not there, you know. It's kind of like, oh, you know, we'll get to it when we get to it or we can't right now. And in some circumstances and cases, I, I, I totally understand that. But that's not the case in everything. Something can be done right now and in that you don't just wait for the city council to vote to give you an answer. You go out, you are proactive and you make it happen yourself.
0: Well that's that's a great great segue into my question, Leola. This is Frank, I'm gonna come in here. Uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned was you mentioned, you know, your passion being a mother and how you you know just want to make a difference and now, obviously, that, that's a unity message, and that's an important thing. Uh, obviously, that we're in a time in politics where everything is very, very divisive. Uh, in a city like Mobile that is, is still somewhat divided along racial lines, what do you see as the biggest challenge to getting things done in District 3? A- and have you experienced any issues with, you know, say racial, um, where where somebody gave you a certain answer, but you know it was, it was a, certainly like a racially coded answer or response, and you had to fight through it? Can you give an example of that?
2: Um, I've not yet experienced that. I, I, you know, try to open myself up and be transparent to everybody. I ask questions to everybody. But I think my outlook, it might be a little different um, when it comes to that because in the military you work with everybody. So the person who has my six very well could be from a different country. But you link arms, you come together, and you create a unit, you know, or an environment where you're protected and where you're safe. And so I try to carry those characteristics into this election, I've not come across any racial discrimination. I can't sit here and, you know, and complain and say that I have, not that it's not happening, I just hadn't ran across it yet. That that hasn't been a barrier that I've had to knock down. But, you know, I constantly try to encourage people to, you know, let's just not look at the color of the skin of the person that's sitting next to you. Let's look at the character. Let's look at the motive. You know, let's look at the heart and see if that person has the same values, you know, has the same integrity, has the same morals that you have. And I believe that those things are the things that is going to get this district to progress forward.
0: Well, you said you definitely hit. That was a great, great response. And the reason why I asked that question is because there seems to be a a divide. You know, like I said, I don't reside in Mobile either. I went to Mobile. I mean, I went to LaFleur and I graduated in 99. I haven't uh, been back since, Um, but I have seen things from different people on Facebook. And so I've noticed that divide. So I'm glad that to hear you speaking a message that is is positive um, for the community as a whole. And, And I guess. Going forward, what is your what is your vision to to not just fix district 3 but also maybe unite all of Mobile? And then what is what do you think your future holds? Do you think it's going to end with just you asserting the city council in district 3 or can you see yourself going for a bigger office later down the road?
2: Oh, okay. So, as far as us joining together, that's something that we're going to have to show. You know, that that can't be something that I'm going to constantly have to preach. You know, all oh, it's mobile. I know we're all mobile. You know, some residents still have the old mentality, but that's something that we're going to have to show, you know, improve in order to get people to accept it. I've, I've come to learn that talking, talking, talking does nothing. You have to put the action behind it. So instead of me saying, oh, you know, everybody come together, no, you're going to have to see me working with white people. You're going to have to see me working with Indians. You're going to have to see me working with others. That's just the way it's going to be in order to get people to kind of realize, you know what, okay, maybe this this isn't so bad. You you know how some, sometimes people have to see it, and then once they see it and realize that it, it can be done. This can happen for the greater mobile. I feel like we have to step outside of our personal belief, even like our personal thoughts or how we were raised. we got to step outside of that to look better. I don't. Linking up with a person because they're black. I want my children linking up with another person because that person will have their back. That person will have their best interest at heart. And as far as me going further than city council, oh my god. I <laughs> I <I'm laughs> like, and so I feel like you know there's something that I can do and as long as I feel like Leola has something that she can do to add value to this city you know to add you know a positive impact on this city I will continue
1: to work we are talking to Leola Chaney she is a city council candidate for district three, district district three in Mobile Alabama um, you spoke on how you've learned from uh, leaders in the community. Uh, I've always assumed when people run for office that they consider themselves as someone that has a lot of the answers and knows what, what most of the issues are in whatever uh, district or state or, you know, government that they're representing. Has anyone brought up an issue during your campaigning that wasn't on your radar, but after speaking with them, it now is? Definitely. Um,
2: one of the issues that was that was brought up was about the elderly in the community and them having somewhere to go and them being able to feel safe. I, I mean, I automatically thought that when I started, oh my God, it's all about the teens, you know, it's all about the youth. Let's push them, let's motivate them, let's get them forward. I didn't, I didn't forget the elderly. I just. You know, it just wasn't something that I engulfed my whole campaign around. But the more I hit door to door and I began to talk to them, some of them are even scared to sit on their porch and talk to their friends. They don't feel safe. Or they or they tell me, you know, I don't, I don't have something or a place where I can go, where I can kind of congregate, you know, with other elderly people or where I can share my knowledge with other young people. So I've had to incorporate that into my campaign to make sure that, They're not left out. They're not forgotten. We need them, especially today. When you can turn a corner and the grandmother is 37 and it's not Big Mama that we're used to with the values and the morals and the wisdom that you're used to having, we need them. So I had to reevaluate. I had to go back. You know, I had to go back to the drawing board and be like, you know what, okay, it's not that I don't focus so much on the youth. I have to include the elderly now.
1: That's a great trait for a candidate to have when you listen to the people and learn. We're going to get you out of here because I know you have a ton of things to do. Uh, I wanted to ask this question because we've, Frank and I, we've had politicians on here before. We've had uh, Senator Tim Scott, who represents the state of South Carolina, but we've never had anyone that's like currently running for office. And you're up against an incumbent. So whenever major right. networks have whenever they have debates they always give the candidates a final moment to appeal to their voters so i'm going to put you on the spot the floor is yours uh take as much take as much time as you like for those that are deciding who to vote for and they're living in district district 3 well i'm having so much trouble saying that but for those that haven't made their mind up or for those that have you know what would you like to say to appeal to those voters in district 3 on why they should vote for leola cheney
2: You know that's kind of been been one of the hardest thing. I know I know as a candidate, you should always um, encourage people to vote for you. Encourage people to vote for you. But I've learned talking about myself is not one of my strong points. But I will say this. Um, I am, first of all, and I say this all the time, I am a mother. I have two children, um, so I resonate with the single moms, and I'm a single mom. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, don't be proud because you're a single mom, but you know what? I am proud because I've overcome obstacles as a, as a woman now that I'm a single mother and I'm raising my children to be the best that they can be. So as a single mother, you know, as a United States veteran, as a citizen of District 3, like I appeal to more than just one group of people. You know, I can go and I can talk to the single mothers. I can talk to the kids who had parents that were drug addicts. I can talk to, you know, those that are enduring hard times. I've been there. So when I, when I'm out talking and I'm expressing myself, I'm very transparent because I want them to see who I am and I also want them to feel comfortable with me to be able to talk to me and express that. So to the district three, Uh, residents and citizens out there, Um, I will ask for your vote on August the 22nd that you will trust me enough to believe enough in this district to push it forward. I know that when you ride down Dauphin Island Parkway, you don't see a restaurant you can sit in to eat with your children, or, you know, when you go downtown about your parks and your kids that's playing football, you feel like nobody is hearing you. But as a mother, those things don't come, you know, those Things don't fall on deaf ears. And so, and as a person, as a citizen, I'm not a person that and lives outside of the district i'm a person that lives at 1004 west woodland drive in the back of the old phoenix and so if you're a district three person you know what i'm talking about so you know i hear the same gunshots at night that you hear or my children's bike was stolen off the porch just like yours was so if this is not something that i can preach to you and tell you and then i can turn around and walk away no i go home at night and i, I am your neighbor so i am your citizen. i am your neighbor and i am trying to become a representative of this district so that our voices are heard. You know, in certain parts of our district and people, they feel like they're left out. And I believe that that it's time. We're not going to do that anymore. That's over. We're not going to go another four years waiting around for something to happen. You know, it's time for change. It's it's that time is now, and I'm willing and ready to do the work. I don't have anything that's distracting me from putting, giving my whole self into this district. I am a servant. I served this country for 15 years, and I will do the same for District 3. So I ask you for your support and your vote. August the 22nd, vote Leola Cheney, City Council, District 3.
1: That was well Mother Bleeping said. Uh, she <laughs> is Leola Cheney. <laughs> I'm serious. She is Leola Chaney. You heard her case. Mobile District three. Look around. You live there. You know whether or not you like the direction of your area. So if you're ready for a change, a different direction, vote for this young lady on August 22nd. Uh, Leola Chaney, Miss Miss Chaney, I want to thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it.
2: Man, thank you guys for asking, for having me, you know, for giving me a platform to be able to speak to those who I might can't touch or, you know, those who I can't get to. So thank you so much. I
1: appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Good luck on the campaign. want to once again thank uh, Miss Leola Cheney for coming on. Um, the only thing I have to say, man, is that that final. Well, first off, you can hear the passion in pretty much all of her answers. But uh, for her to come up with that final answer uh, to me was amazing. I thought she knocked it out the park. And um, you know, just want to get your thoughts on that interview, and and what do you think of her chances of of winning this election?
0: I love her, man. I love her. I, I really, I really do. I um, I say I mean, I mean that I don't. I'm, I'm married for those people that out there be like, what are you talking about? But no, I mean, I mean, I, I <laughs> people are like, whoa, what you do? No, right. no Kevin Hart situations no here. Hart. We, ain't, <laughs> we ain't doing the Kevin Hart thing. But I, you know, I'm in, I'm in love with her, her passion for change and i think that's something that's so lacking um and she definitely has it so i really um she would have my vote obviously uh i really i really hope that she can get the momentum she needs i think that if she does get that on them that she would win just because i feel like as she said i'm a mother and i live on the same streets you live in and my kids bike is stole the same way your kids bite I me mean, you can't be any more genuine than she is and you know and and so i think that that's the important thing she's not just trying to win a seat and you know have the prestige she's in there living in in basically in the scrum with everybody else who's going through it so she has reason to change as she said she has her children we all and we both have children we know how important everything is for our children and we we don't you know one thing even if we slack in other areas we rarely slack for our children so i think that that's a powerful powerful message that she has behind her and she's a veteran you know i mean she's got a great great uh, resume just just off the, the board and, and and as I said off the air um, after the interview was like she's she may be a first time politician but she is not she's a natural born leader and I think that's what you want in office don't you don't want somebody who necessarily says all the right things all the right time you want somebody who does the right things and works for everybody and that's what she's doing so I really really feel like um, her she's going places and. I was not kidding about her when I asked her, would she go and do something bigger? I can see her shooting uh, shooting up and being somewhere bigger in, in, in a few years in another election.
1: That would be dope to watch, man. Two, two things real quick. What stood out for me is how she mentioned how she lives in the district, unlike my man John Ossoff in Georgia. They had that special election that didn't even live in the district he was running for. And whoever stole her son's bike, man, Get a little kid's bike back, man. Return that bike. You know if your child comes home with a bike that isn't theirs, uh, and if a grown up took it, you know, that bikes are a big thing to kids, man. Take that bike back. You know, just do do it when nobody's looking, but take take the kid's bike back, man. Uh, before we get out of here, Frank, I mentioned at the top of the show, Michael Vick, uh, man, I was a I was such a Michael Vick fan. You know I'm a Florida State fan. I first started paying attention to Michael Vick in that championship against Florida state when he was with Virginia tech in the sugar bowl. And I've never seen a quarterback so quick and just, a, we had a great defense that year, man. And he was doing some magical things on the field as far as avoiding that pass rush. And he was electrifying in Al- I almost say Alabama in Atlanta with the uh, Falcons and even had a second stint with the Eagles. So I, I definitely enjoyed watching Michael Vick He caused a bit of a stir, and I'm going to try not to be too winded, but you'll have plenty of time to gather your thoughts on this, Frank, before I pass it to you. But he got a lot of attention, man. Uh, He weighed in on the Colin Kaepernick thing, and basically what it boiled down to was a soundbite of him saying that Colin needed to cut his hair uh, if he wants to get back in the league, and he's not good enough to be back in the league, which are contradictory statements, In itself, But that's not what people focus on. You know, black Twitter, you know, a lot of us focus on not just black people. Everybody seemed to focus on, you know, Vic says that Colin needs to cut his hair. Uh, He wanted up uh, retracting some of that. But I want to start off first, Frank. First off, Colin is, I repeat, is good enough to be a quarterback in the National Football League. Ironically. Michael Vick, who weighed in on this, before he went to jail, the last season he had before he went to jail for fighting dogs, his quarterback rating was like 75. Okay, he wound up getting a second chance with the Eagles. So obviously they thought he was good enough to still play in the league, and he wound up working his way up to being the first player in NFL history to have two $100 million contracts. He got one with the Falcons, and the Eagles wound up signing him for a $100 million contract. Colin Kaepernick's last season – He threw 18 touchdowns to four interceptions. Now, the 49ers, they were awful. So they didn't win any of the games, but that wasn't because of him. They have no talent on that team. 18 touchdowns, four interceptions, quarterback rating of 95. Vic, 75. Colin Kaepernick, 95. So Vic is factually wrong if you go by the fact that an NFL team gave him a chance with his performance in the last season he played. And taking and missing two years by being in jail versus Colin last season where he his quarterback rating was in the nineties. Now let's get to my opinion and then I'll pass it to you. The reaction to him saying that Colin needed to cut his hair. First I gotta check myself. Because when I first heard that comment, I was enraged. I was like, Man, Vic didn't turn Tom on us. I'm you know, he you know, they didn't broke him, this, that another. But always that's my initial reaction. I had to step back, okay. And look at it this way. And I know some people are going to, you know, disagree with this and argue against this. But the fact of the matter is we all have appeased, quote, the man, as they say, as as in some form of fashion, whether you have tattoos that go from your shoulder to your wrist and you have to wear long sleeves every day at work to cover them up. Uh, There are some of us that have had to cut our hair when we go to an interview. Uh, I don't care who it is. It can be Umar Johnson, who's been in the news a lot lately. It can be Zaza Ali, who we've had on this show before. In my opinion, everybody to some degree has had to appease, conform, whatever you want to say. What is wearing a suit when you don't really like to wear a suit? Anything. What is not speaking your real thoughts or, or just changing how you speak? You know, you speak one way at work or you speak one way when you go to an interview for a job versus how you speak when you're with your people. So I really had to step back and check myself on that because after you get past the anger and the shock of what he said, what he said wasn't that bad. I know par- I know black parents that have told their kids, look, you need to uh, make sure you're nice, neat and trim before you go in that interview on the job, you need to cut your hair down. So what he said was not really that extreme. So I just wanted to put that out there, man. and. I had to take that back because he he's it wasn't a Tom statement. I get what he was saying. But the real problem for me and I promise I'm done after this. The real problem for me is Vic and others. They're equating. They're equating what Colin company did to the legal trouble that Vic got into. And all Colin did was silently and peacefully protest against black people getting killed by police unarmed black people getting killed by police. And it's not the same thing. One is a crime. One is our right. So the two are not the same. Uh, It's simple, man. Colin is being blackballed to me because he's unapologetic, period. If he would come out and, you know, say I'm sorry and all that, I think he would have gotten another chance. But that's not what he's doing. He's moving ahead with working in community, doing different things, going to Africa. I don't agree with everything he's done, too, like wearing the Castro shirt in Miami. He should have known better or he should have had a better explanation. When he was questioned about it, you uh, may want to be careful with. I think he was in Ghana for Fourth of July and saying he, he wants to be somewhere where there's true freedom. I don't know how much of that I agree with, but I do like a lot of the things he's done and he's put his money where his mouth is. So that's most of what I wanted to say, man. But I wanted to give you a moment to uh, did you first hear the comments and what was your reaction and what what are your thoughts on what he said?
0: Man, you you said a lot. I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna try not to duplicate anything you said, which is gonna be tough because you you definitely hit hit a lot of uh, nails on the head, so to speak. Um, I'll start off though with my recollection of Michael Vick. You know, I'm University University of Miami alum, as I've pointed out many times on the show. And and Michael Vick went to Virginia Tech, who, you know, obviously was a rival of Miami, still is a rival of Miami. So had a lot of um saw Michael Vick and play in person, and he's an incredible. Uh, athlete, I've always respected him. He's probably the fastest player to ever play in the NFL. And I don't mean necessarily in a 40-time. I just mean like what he could do on the field as far as moving and running. If you go back and watch that highlight where he runs against, I think it's the Minnesota Vikings. He's in overtime, and they run into each other. Two guys, oh, yeah. two grown men run into each other like a cartoon. He, <laughs> he was that fast. He was um, – you know it's kind of sad you know he's one of those guys that you look back and you say man potentially he could have been so much more than what he was he was so talented his arm was 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 ridiculous and his speed but he never not until maybe the end of his career he put in maybe the work a little bit but then he was already kind of falling off but that's neither here nor there um i won't really i don't want to go over too much about the cutting the hair piece that's just a soundbite and that was just his way of saying hey calm, i need to make a peace offering but my thing is as as you said, Colin Kaepernick doesn't have anything to apologize for. You know, he's not you've had people like Ray Lewis, you've had people like Michael Vick and other people maybe saying things about what Colin Kaepernick might need to do to ingratiate himself to the league. But the problem is this is not a this is not an image issue where for Con Kaepernick, it's this this is a this is a spiritual stronghold where they're able to kill black men in America and keep us in bondage and you know the biggest thing is that every black man will be standing up for the anthem this year that's that's the thing you should take away from this is that you know i don't necessarily agree with the whole you know, what i mean he's i don't know what he said about the ghana comments about being free but i can just tell you that if you're not able to take a knee this season you're not free you might be rich but you're not free and so i, I will say that you know that's one of the reasons why i'm actually not going to watch the nfl this year I, you know and i some people say that in passing but i really mean that i mean there's i have an, other reasons which i won't get into on on this show in particular but the NFL is not something that I want to want to be a part of because of what they've done to Colin Kaepernick and then on top of that what I've seen happen to the men that make the league up how they're treated outside of that I'm not interested in supporting that anymore in my life um and so it doesn't really matter what Michael Vick said he's just another guy who you know he he He's trying to, you know, he in his mind, he's actually trying to help Colin Kaepernick. That's why I'm not going go yes. to go in and kill him because he's not really the issue. He's just a symptom of what it means to play in the NFL that's controlled by 32 white men, basically. And that you have to conform to what they want or you don't play. And and that's the thing that I don't like. And that's the thing that doesn't sit well with me is that these young men sit up there and break their bodies for non guaranteed contracts for careers that are a fraction of those in, in other professional sports and don't often don't have anything to show for it except for broken bones and, and and mortgages, broken mortgages and things like that and 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 things and some of those are the players' faults, I get it. But I'm just saying that, you know, let's let's not focus on Michael Vixen. Let's just focus on what they're doing to Colin Kaepernick and
1: that's the real crime here. Uh, one one other note, man. Has anyone noticed how much time the media is spent on what Colin did and not why. Slick world we live in, man. It's a slick, slippery world. I mean, we barely talked about the why. We just talked about what he did. But anyway, uh, we've taken up uh, enough of your time. We hope you enjoyed the show. We want to thank Leola Cheney once again for coming on. We hope to bring you more uh, Mobile, Alabama politicians. Trust me, for those of you that are not in Mobile, that are in the D.C. area, that listen to this show, the election down there is so interesting, man. I'm telling you. And we hope that uh we hope to show that to you guys in the coming weeks. Again, subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, as well as Google Play uh podcast, Politically Entertaining. You can go to politicallyentertaining dot And don't forget about our YouTube channel where we have a lot of our interviews Well, uh, Tim Wise, Zazai Lee, uh Tim Scott. Go to Politically Entertaining. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well there. Thank you for listening and check us out again on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Y'all be safe out there. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit PoliticallyEntertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.